My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Madrasa on A. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome to your program Madrasa on A and I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along with Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams in studio. It is that time of your afternoon where you're probably done with all your housework and now you're sitting by the radio and even if you're at work maybe on your lunch break now you're sitting at the radio tuned in to Madrasa on A. Do know that you can send through your questions but these are questions that is only of relevance in terms of the topic being our first topic being knowing my Lord and questions in which or topics in which we have dealt with prior maybe regarding hajj which we dealt with prior already which was the madrasa on a hajj edition you can send that through because those are the topics in which we have dealt with however i am going to be handing over to sheikh to do the greeting as well as giving us the opening dua for madrasa and you know those numbers on our whatsapp number as well as our sms number that you can send your questions through to that is 47913 the whatsapp number is 072 2380712. Also, don't forget to download our app on Play Store. Well, it's only available on Android phones, not iPhone as yet, but you can download it on the Android Play Store. You just type in the Voice of the Cape Radio app, download it, and you should be streaming live. It's as easy as that. But for now, Sheikh, Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you doing this afternoon, Sheikh? Alhamdulillah, quite fine. And how's yourself, Auntie Yasmina? I'm alhamdulillah, Sheikh. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, alhamdulillahi wa ta wa salatu wa salamu ala mala nabiya ba'd. Rabbi sharahli sadri wa yasirli amri wa hlul ugdatam min lisani yafqahu kawli. Allahumma alimna bima yamfa'una wa mfa'ana bima alimtana. ورزقنا علما يا ذا الجلال والإكرام السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله و thanks and praise is due to Allah till always and forever and love and salam and our beloved Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم the last and final messenger which Allah has sent to guide you and me so that we can be of those people who accept the path of Allah and be able to live that to the best of our abilities. Ameen. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Love and salam upon him, his family, his friends, and all those who follow his path. May Allah grant you and me to be part of that. Ameen. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah. Um, before I actually start with the recapping of what we did in our last lesson, allow me to be able to do our opening dua Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wal Aqibatu Lil Muttaqeen Wal Jannatu Lil Muahideen Wala Udwana Illa Ala Zalimeen Wal Salatu Wal Salamu Ala Ashrafil Anbiya'i Wal Mursaleen Sayyidina Wa Mawlana Muhammadin Wa Ala Alihi Wa Ashabihi Ajma'een Rabbana Taqabbal Minna Innaka Anta Sami'ul Alim Wa Tuba Alayna Innaka Anta Tawabur Rahim Rabbana Gfid Lana Dhunubana Wa Kaffi عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار يا عزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين اللهم اجعل الحجاج حجهم حجا مبرورا وسعيهم سعيا مشكورا وذنبهم ذنبا مغفورا وعملهم صالحا مقبولا وتجارة لن تبور يا نور النور يا عالم ما في الصدور أخرجنا وإياهم من الظلمات إلى النور برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة توقنا أذاب النار وأدخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار يا عزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله um, in our last lesson, we were looking at Surah An-Naba, Surah number 78 in the Holy Quran. And we divided this up into three sections. The section where Allah speaks about that big issue, the big matter that is to be this, that was discussed in the time of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, where people question the authority of, is it true? Is there really going to be Yawm Al-Qiyamah? And, 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 and I mean, we die, and after we die, then we're going to get out of our graves and going to get up to Yom Al-Qiyamah? Now, I do know, or all of us know, that, that that doesn't make sense to you and me, because we don't understand death. 
We don't recognize what death is. And we do not realize that the creator of life is also the creator of death. And the creator of death has given us death prior to life. And then after life has given us again death. And then after death has given us again life. And then in that life is where we're going to be kept responsible for the way we lived our life on earth. So the objective of having to understand that these questions, these, the reality of understanding what is the worth of living and doing your life and, and, and nobody's going to reward you for your efforts and your commitment. And nobody's going to kept you responsible for your faults and your errors. Life is exactly what you live in this world. The year after and the fact that there is Yawm Al-Qiyamah is the reality and Allah has chosen it not to happen on this earth. The extent of Allah's mercy is so vast, is so absolutely vast that Allah Ta'ala is not ready to want to punish you and me or want to reward you and me for what we've done on this earth. Allah Ta'ala gives, gives us positivity if we live positive and gives us barakah as we call it, value and gives uh, blessings in our life to the extent of our positivity that we live by and our wish and our want and our zest and desire to want to be righteous slaves of Allah who puts in our commitment, our total commitment by saying do I want to be a Muslim? because Yawm Al-Qiyamah is what, what the issue is that you and I the Muslim need to believe it belongs part of our belief system and it makes us the Muslim that we ought to be and it makes us qualitative, valuable, meaningful when we understand the fact that there is Yawm Al-Qiyamah and we don't have a uh, um, don't care attitude with it Billah. for it speaks about positivity to the greater saint greater sense and it, at the same time it speaks about the negativity for those people who's careless who doesn't care now the billah may Allah grant us to be people of cognant people with cognance that is of benefit to us cognance that we realize we've been given this intellect to realize how fortunate we are as Muslims to be able to know that there is a thing that if the unseen has been given to us by Allah that unseen is a means of worshipping our Lord and in worshipping Him we do what He commands us so that we be rewarded righteously for that in the hereafter but that also we reap benefit of that in this world that we live with. May Allah grant khair and barakah to all of us. So Yawm Al-Qiyamah deals with that and that's what Surah Naba has to deal with. And the Surah has been divided into three sections as we've indicated. The first section about the issue of and Allah deals with that, showing to us the reality of the things that we live by and we identify that to be real. And if the Lord of the real world tells us about that, then obviously if He speaks to us about anything other he is the creator of what we know and what we know of not. And most of the things we know of, now some of the things we know of, and most of them, most of them, most probably if we know 2%, 98% we will never probably come to know. And if we develop and, and, and meet up with things and discover new things, it is all part, no matter how vast the, 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 the issue is of discovery, the issue of discovery belongs all to the reality of Allah's creation. He is the sole creator of whatever there is. And so He is the one that invites us to understand His process. And in that, He then told us through the, 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 the what we call the tangible world, showed to us that there is a spiritual world or there is a unseen world as well and he is when he informs us we need to be fast enough we need to have the in the understanding enough we need to have the mindset enough to be able to accept then submit to that and to realize it is a fact 
and he says that we need to be so cognizant of it that we need to beg of him to enter Jannah, to allow us to enter Jannah, and not to be of those people who will be entering into the fire of Jahannam. And we need to beg of him for freedom from that. And so then he takes us to the first segment, which was verses number 1 to verse number 17. Then from verse number 18 to verse number 30 was the occasion of a people who rebel. And how do they go about? And what is will be the reward and the extent of their life? And the reasons why they get that reward. Now, it's here for you and me in reflection to be able to see, are we of that type? Or are we of the other type, which is in verses number 18? To verse, um, verse number uh, uh, 31 to verse 40. In verse number 31 to verse 40, here Allah deals with the last section, having to be able to tell us that what would happen to the people who submit themselves to Allah? What would be their reward? For what reason would they get that reward? And just remind everybody at the end of the surah that the surah, the surah only tells us that the severity of that day is only but a reminder of the fact that you and I are going to be rewarded and it's a fact that we are going to be rewarded by our Lord for the, the life that we lived on this earth if it is in submission to him he's prepared to grant us greatness and if we have made errors and mistakes and we want to come back to him to bring the change in our life he's ready and open to accept it from us when we want to submit to our faults blame nobody else but blame ourselves and repent from that to become righteous slaves of allah that is beautifully said there by sheikh ibrahim abrams now i hand back over to sheikh to continue sheikh tafatu we managed to have looked prior uh, at the what we've dealt with in in the surah and we came to the last part of the surah um, just the very very last is where allah ta'ala tells us in the last two verses allah says that is the day of reality now remember that is the very way the surah started off and allah wants us to understand that our whole life our whole purpose of life is to return back to Allah Ta'ala. And thus in the surah, the essence of understanding the Naba, that major question, the fact that you and I are going to die, the fact that you and I, there's going to be reward for our actions, is important. The fact that there is a Yawm Al-Qiyamah is a belief structure that we need to have. It's part of our submission to our Lord. It makes us Muslim and grants us a reward. But at the same time, we, you and I, need to understand that it is a major question to many a people out there. Or some of them question it to the extent, is there something like that? Those people that is called the atheists are making a big, big issue about it by saying, no, there's no such thing. If you die today, you die, you finish, there's no reality of that you're going to come to life again. Are they in charge of life? Are they most probably in charge of death? They don't have the power of life, neither the power of death. Yes, they have much to speak about, of which is nonsensical, that they have not no base, they've got no proof of what they say. They just bah in giving it in all the sense. And they'd ask you, where's your proof to that? Tell me, ask them the question, where's your proof of saying there is no such thing? There's so many things in the universe that all indicates very clearly and is pure proof of the fact that there definitely will be a reward. That's the nature of life. For everything that happens, there's the results that will happen afterwards. Everything brings about a, a result. Whatever you do will create a ripple effect. If you take a, a stone and throw it into a pond, it creates a ripple effect and it sends the, the, the ripples to the side of the, of the, the shores and it, the, even that will affect the shore and it can affect the situation in a various, various ways. But that is what I just said now using a stone in a pond is a very small idea of understanding the vastness. So if anything happened in this universe, anything is done, anything has been acted out and you and I have been done leaves an effect of positivity or negativity. That is the reality. The, the the whole universe is the proof to that reality and only a person with no sense or little sense can then argue the fact is there such a thing as Yawm Al-Qiyamah and so you and I need to understand 
But the understanding, when Allah says, ذَلِكَ الْيَوْمُ الْحَقِّ It is a reality. فَمَنْ شَاءَ اتَّخَذَ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِ مَآبًا Whosoever of you wants to now repent, now realize, now come to your senses, now accepts the fact, I better change my life. I better become more Muslim. I better submit to Allah. I better realize that there is a reality. The way I live has an effect on myself, on my life. But I also leave a legacy of positivity if positive is the way I react. Or if I am rejecting, opposing, yes, but, and yes, and, and I want to question, I leave an absolutely negative, a total negative effect on the hearts of those around me, of those whom I deal with. And I leave it negative, and I become the reason for spreading negativity, opposing or rejecting, not prepared to submit. Allah Ta'ala then says, Inna anzarnakum, in the last verse, Vili, we have warned you, Adhaban qariba, of a torment that's going to be very near. Yawma yandhurul mar'u ma qaddamat yada, that day man will look at his action, what he did with his hands or his actions, the things that he did, وَيَقُولُ and he will say, وَيَقُولُ الْكَافِرُ The one who opposed or rejected will say, يَا لَيْتَنِي If only كُنْتُ تُرَابًا If only I was but dust, then there wouldn't have been a reason for me to be kept responsible, to be kept accountable for the fact that I lived and I did what I did. May Allah protect but Allah wants us to understand that when we say we are Muslim, when we say part of our uluhiyya our to Allah, then that uluhiyya to Allah means when I accept Allah as an ilah, I mean if He guides me, if He instructs me, if He adv- advises me, if He prevents me, I carry out what He wants for me. I do it as He prefers. I, 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 I do not consider myself I put myself and my emotions aside Because shaitan takes charge of me And I become satanic I become destructive And become harmful to myself and to others If I am not prepared to take to his style To what he wants I am a slave of Allah I have been his slave. I only need to accept the fact that I am his slave and I submit to him. And that makes me Muslim. Then and then only when I take to his advice and guidance, that makes me the slave that becomes the muttaqin, the people of taqwa, to whom is rewarding the fact that Allah will grant the great reward in the year after. May Allah grant us to be amongst him. May Allah grant us khair and barakah, inshaAllah. And that we come to realize the process of what has happened in Surah Naba. Um, Insha'Allah, we hope now to take you to another Surah, if you don't mind. As part of the understanding of coming to recognize what, what, what happened to us in our life. Now, before I go into the Surah, I need to be able to share with you. When you and I speak about the, the, the process of... Remember, we are speaking about the Uluhiyya in the period of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, right? When you and I think of that, then the Uluhiyya says to us our submission, our commitment, our understanding, our reason for application to apply and to live in the format of Islam, and that way to be able to obtain that successes, right? And so... This, uh, if I probably can divide certain things, I would love to be able to look at the lifestyle of our Nabi Sallallahu or the life of our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What was the first things that actually happened? Now, you and I was given some exposure of Surah Al-Araq, where Allah spoke, spoke to us by Kul Ikra' Bismi Rabbika Alladhi Khalaq. And, and, and then we spoke about the, the fact that Allah created everything. We spoke here about the fact that there is this issue of language. 
and and this issue of understanding of activating our minds of of being active minded people and 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 to be be motivating ourselves with with positivity of what we understand of this quran and read it to try to understand its message and wanting to live this message because if you do not read the message you will definitely not understand the message and if you definitely don't understand the message it is the height of impossibility that you will ever be able to apply this message so nobody can be a muslim unless he reads the message of islam right you remember still when we were busy in 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 having to deal with the first first uh, lessons about madrasa on air we we said understanding allah from the side of recognizing that um we have a kalima to shahada our kalima shahada spoke about the fact that we said i be a witness that there is none worthy of worship except allah now that happened on the basis of me coming as a muslim to this earth or i come to come to realize I am Muslim and I accept this Islam and the reality of this only becomes meaningful when I come to understand wa ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah and I be testimony to the fact that Muhammad is a messenger of Allah and in understanding the messenger we came to to say if somebody is a messenger he definitely must have a message and you say that not I even though it is everybody says that if somebody is called a messenger then one thing for sure that person has a message that's why he's called the messenger so we've identified that he is the messenger so he has a message with him we then had to go and find what that message is and when we went to look at what that message is we saw that message is the message that was sent by Allah the Quran it is the message but the message has got two sides to it the one side of the message is the message in the Quran in its theory and the Quran in its practical the Quran in its theory and the Quran in its practical now the theory of the Quran is the Quran the one that we read that we bacha that we read the translation of that's the theory of this Quran but this Quran has a practical Quran to it a physical a Quran that's a personified version of that Quran and that Quran is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam he and his message and the messages that he expounded on and the depth of understanding for you and me and exposing our minds to understanding of this message the Quran and how we need to live through the way he showed it and he dealt with it and Allah has chosen him to be that person selected by Allah alone and given that status and position that nobody absolutely nobody will ever have as the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam was given that uh, responsibility in that that responsibility calls for the fact that you and i need to submit to his lifestyle we need to realize that he was the one guided to us he is a personified version of the quran he is a practical message Thus, the words of Aisha radiallahu anha when they ask her, inform me about the character of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And what did she say? Akhlaquhu al-Quran. His character is but personifying this Quran. He loved the Quran. He's the Quran in a real life sense. If you want to understand the Quran in application, look into his life and you see the application of Quran. He loved the Quran. He's the this Quran alive in human form. May Allah open the path for all of us that you and I can strive to that side, inshallah. Ameen. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. For now, I hand back over to Sheikh to continue with Sheikh Tafatul. Shukran jazakallah for Yasmina. We were coming to the point of letting us understand the fact that uh, what makes us the ummah that in actual fact submit when you and I become Muslim and how do we submit to the message of Allah Ta'ala and what makes us those people who carry out this process in the understanding of what happened in the time of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the issue of having to bring people to submission to Allah alone now 
we saw life and people were living life and people didn't realize that they had to be able or many of them didn't realize that um, they they had to worship Allah in giving to him the honor that belongs to him only and so what happened in the process man was then given exposure in the vast world that there is of having to deal in worshiping other beings now what is worship it needs to become an understanding worshiping in its true sense is those powers that belongs to Allah those things that we need to do for the sake of Allah or those things that we do as Allah expects us to do is worshiping Allah and if we do it for anybody other than Allah then we are worshiping other than Allah so the issue of uluhiya to Allah that you and I have a responsibility is if we claim we are Muslims we have a responsibility of doing our uluhiya to Allah and that we worship Allah and Allah alone has not been the process of the days prior to the coming of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Thus it became known as the time of Jahiliyyah. People ended up in having to do the things that they were doing, living the life that they were living, because they did not realize that there was guidance that Allah ta'ala needs to give them again. And thus, in the message of the prophets before, they all said, we have some answer to you for some of your issues of life and some of your problems of life. We have some answer. We don't have all the answers. But there will come a final messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He will capture all detail for you. He will be sent of all your needs and all your worries and all your concerns. There will not be an issue. There will be no stone unturned in the life of each and every one of you or oh, he Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will deal with all details in his life and it will have you to be able to reflect and understand and see the answer in the way he presented it and the way he answered it and the way he dealt with it to guide you and me and he has done his job perfectly well for he was sent as the messenger to give that message to clear everything to not leave no stone unturned to be able to not allow us to understand something that need to be bright daylight and we still cannot see the brightness in it he brought the brightness to that extent that we cannot under no circumstances claim unless we are blind may Allah protect us may Allah grant us understanding and so we see the issue came about where man worship other than Allah and they took many things and they went to the extent and that the worshiping other than Allah has been the reason for them asking many questions has been the reason of them being living in in unjust living with maim destruction corruption uh, wars enmity hatred uh, for every little thing, uh, they will be, be, make it a big matter simply because there's one base that was not in place and that is the base of that which makes life meaningful is submission to your Lord in worshipping Him and Him alone. Now we've said we came to identify Allah in the way He is in His power and His might and we called that is rububiyyah but what we have a responsibility is now that we recognize him in his rububiyyah we need to see that we work to be able to love his uluhiyyah in our lives the uluhiyyah is our submission the uluhiyyah is our making us the slaves of our lord and not making us the slaves of this earth or the world or anything other or our emotions and if we are still the those people who have other things as our lord then we are not truly worshiping allah and this is what you and i need to come to understand and so our nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was given a part of his message to be able to remind man now initially we said the revelation of Quran came to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Initially it said to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, please if you don't mind, remind man. 
Allah Ta'ala says to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the fact that Allah is, the first message Allah says to him, use your intellectual power, use your cognance, think why, wisely about things, ponder about the realities of your life, and take note in the reading of the, uh, the message that, Allah, that comes from Allah, and reading what life has to offer you, and how you can use your cognizant to be able to become better. Ikra wa akram. Then you will have the ability to give honor and dignity to Allah. That is what we said in that surah. The matter then went to the extent where Allah Ta'ala wanted the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi to tell man, it's all about submission to Allah. So Allah Ta'ala says to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when Allah will send the revelations, the first revelation comes to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa and it was Ikra bismi rabbika ladhi khalaq. The next revelation that came to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya ayyuhal muzzammil, kumil layla illa qadila, nisfahu awin kusminhu qalila. I'm sorry, that is the third one. The second one says, Ya ayyuhal muddathir, kum fa'andhir, wa rabbaka fa'kabbir, wa thiyabaka fa'tahir. وَالرُّجِزَ فَاجُرْ وَلَا تَمْنٌ تَسْتَكْثِرْ وَلِرَبِّكَ فَاصْبِرْ Ya Rabb, subhanak, subhanak, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Allah Ta'ala sent this message to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to let us understand how we need to see our lives living in the way we deal with the things that it is, that we, how do we do things, and how Allah connected everything of our life to our submission to our Lord. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. Sheikh, we have two questions that came through via WhatsApp. The first one reads, Salam, Sheikh, and all at VOC. Please, there is such a lot of versions surrounding when you come in for Umrah that you first do Tawaf, then make two rakaas at Maqam Ibrahim, then do the Sai. Can one do Tawaf and Sai first, and then the two rakaas Sunnah? Can one do it anyway in the surrounding when Sahma are full? Shukran. Please explain, Sheikh. Shukran, Jazakallah, for that question. First and foremost, I would like to rectify the person that asked the question by saying that there's so many versions. No, there ain't many versions. And the reason for me saying that statement, because I want us to understand, we don't lend our ears to people who just talk out there. That is the many versions that is not base, has got no base. The person who says to us about the Hajj and the Umrah teaches us, You take from me your manner of Hajj. La adri, I do not know. La adi, most probably. La ahujju ba'da ami hadha, I might not perform another hajj. This is my first hajj, my last hajj. There isn't one before this, there isn't one after this. This might be my last one. So there can be no too many versions. There's only one version then. If our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in his action, because remember, he is the messenger. He is the only role model. He is the only one that can teach you Islam. Nay, there is not many versions. There is one version only. The version of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yes, when it comes to salah, the Nabi did salah in a certain way at the beginning. And then he added to different things later on. And like for instance, salah, salah was initially just given on the Nabi sallallahu alone doing two raka'at then later on it became part of the life of the Sahaba in the time of, his, uh, of, of the time when they were in Makkah it became then that they performed uh, salah collectively and individually so the issue of saying that these many versions it is Islam and that what came from the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa that is the many versions of salah but when it comes to hajj and the issues of hajj and the entry into Makkah and how we need to do the tawaf or the sa'i only one version has been given to us only one version our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa performed in his life as the scholar says four umrahs only and we can tell you the dates of each and every one of that. But he said, 
that my Hajj is the last and final one that you and I need to see that everything has been done in accordance with that. So I'm not saying this because I want to speak ill about the, the question of the one who asked the question. Shukran, Jazakallah khair. But I just want to rectify the fact that there's not many versions. There's only one version, right? The issue, the answer to the version is how did the Nabi do it? And then that's the answer. Simple if that's the only version. The only version is you may only come in to perform an um, uh, a, 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 your Umrah. You start with the Umrah with the Tawaf around the Kaaba. And when you finish with the Tawaf, you need to be able to perform your two Raka'at because that is what the Nabi did. He is your teacher and mine. He is the one who teaches us how it must be done. So as I said, there cannot be various versions. It is people who do not understand Allah's deen who comes with various nonsensical views and opinions. There is no many versions. We need. So our question is, what does Allah say? What does Allah say? That's question number one always in our life. Question number one in the life of a Muslim is always what is Allah? What is the command of Allah? What is the instruction of Allah? And question number two, which immediately follows after that as a necessity, how and what did our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam implement that or execute that? How did he do that? How did he put it to us? How did he explain it to us? How, what did he do in his action that you and I can see? And that is the only version that is. May Allah open the path for all of us. And, but that no need to happen at all our times. And if our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa did the thing once, then that is the only version that there is. In this case, the Nabi says, from you. So the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa showed us, after our tawaf, we need to do two rakat of the salah. Immediately after that, we go for the sigh. And this is the sunnah tariqah of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam showing us how we need to be able to follow up things. As for the second part of the question, if the jama'ah is full, can I mix my, uh, the, 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 the two rakaat behind Maqam Ibrahim? You, number one, we cannot make that sunnah after the tawaf, after the sigh. It must be done after the tawaf. But as to where, it's recommended for us to do it anywhere behind Maqam Ibrahim. Ibrahim. As this is what Allah says in the Holy Quran, فَاتَّحِذُوا مِمَّا قَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُصَلَّى And Allah Nabi read that when the Nabi performed the salah there and instructed the Sahaba to be able to perform the salah behind Maqam Ibrahim. But should the place be full and it makes it difficult, the scholar says, everywhere in the haram, in every direction around the haram, if you cannot make your salah behind Maqam Ibrahim directly and you've tried and you could not and circumstances has been uncomfortable, then anywhere you stand and you make your niyyah from your niyyah behind after the salah, the two rakat of the tawaf that you're doing, then that is absolutely accepted from any side whilst being inside the haram of Makkah at the Masjid al-Haram facing the Kaaba, then that is absolutely accepted as the two rakaats behind Maqam Ibrahim. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. I hope that uh, that answered your question. However, we have another question that came through. It says, yes, salam. What should one do if you never did the third palting? Shukran wassalam. Obviously, this is also a question to do with Hajj, which we've dealt with prior. Um, yeah, the, 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 the person says, what if I did not pelt? Now, now uh, one needs to come to clarity what the person means. And, and most probably I'd like to ask the person to get give us more clarity on what is meant by I did not pelt the third. Uh, I did not pelt the third one. Which I mean, did you not uh, pelt the third Jamara? Or did the person not pelt the third day? Now, there are differences on, on, on looking at. If I say the first, the third jamara. Now, the third jamara, which is the big jamara, is to be pelted on day one, which is the day of Yomun Nahar, the day of slaughtering, uh, the day of after the day of Arafah, which is La Barang Day, as we call it. And then on the three days of Tashrik and can be pelted, uh, uh, one, two, uh, the first one, the middle one, and uh, the small one, the middle one, and uh, the big one, which is, then that is, so is that what is referred on that occasion? Or is it, I did not pelt the third day, day one, day two, day three. Now, uh, which means there's three different ways of looking at number three, and I do not know the exact uh, reason for the question or what precise, if I can ask the person to clarify the question. 
so that we can go into the specifics of the answer, inshallah. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh, and shukran so much to that person that sent through that question. Now, we are heading into our second segment, and that is, I am a Muslim, what is expected of me? And yeah, I hand over to Sheikh to continue where we stopped yesterday. Just a brief recap, and maybe also branching into something else. Sheikh, tafadol. Shukran jazakallah for that one, Yasmina. When we look at the segment of I'm a Muslim, so what is expected of me, we are dealing on the topic of Salah. And here we were yesterday dealing with the issue of upon whom is the prayer obligatory? On whom is it a fart? Who is the people that must make Salah? Um, the answer to that is that the prayer is obligatory upon every adult, sane Muslim. So we then went into the three qualities. The person must be an adult, must be mukallaf, must be balikh. The person must be sane, have the capacity to be able to understand and know, must not be insane or mustn't be in a state of a coma or something of that. And the person must be a Muslim. He must have accepted this deen and must accepted the. So when you become Muslim, then these things become a necessity upon you. If you're not Muslim yet, you, it's not a necessity on you to be able to perform these things or to perform the salah. So that has become clear. We then went into the hadith of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu an, where he narrated to us that the Prophet sallallahu said, the pen has been raised for three meaning is not compulsory the pen is not recording the information about three people the one who is sleeping until he wakes up the child until he reaches the age of puberty when he becomes mukallaf and the person that's insane until he or she becomes sane we've dealt with that hadith and then we went to the other section where we looked at the guardian of the child must order the child to perform the sada or must guide the child to perform salah, or educate or prepare the child for making salah, even if they are not obligatory on the child. Why or how? In order to get him or her used to the performance of salah. Because if we are not allowing the child to grow with that, unfortunately, the child's nature is, I'm not going I'm, to I'm be careless. And then we indicated to us in a hadith that Amr ibn Shu'ayb narrated, that his father, on the authority of his grandfather, said that the Messenger of Allah said, Order your children to pray at the age of seven and reprimand them to do so at the age of ten and separate them in their bedding. Now, then in that process, there we went looking at the various ages and the importance of the ages that there is. So, our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us the various ages and we went to the most important age in the life of a child is the age of birth. The second most important is the age of seven. The third most important is the age of ten. The fourth, uh, the one after that is it the age of fifteen. The one after that is the age of forty. Our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has even gone further to show us the age after 40 is the age of 60, then the age of 70, the age of 80, the age of 90, and the age of 100. Now those are the ages that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam seems to call to us to make an issue about, to make a hoo-ha about, to be able to have reasons to celebrate but also reason to bring to the mind of the adult that you've now gone to another stage, you've now gone to another level to come to recognize the fortune, the honor, the status, the dignity, but also to take the responsibility that goes with that. Now many a time we make an issue about age, but we forget one important aspect of that, that when I become, my age becomes older, or I want to tell everybody it's my birthday, but I don't want to admit to the fact that I become older. So if I make an issue about my birthday, just accept the fact I become older. Now, if you become really become older, you should become more intelligent, the wiser. Your intellect should have grown. grown. But if you look at the ages that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa has made an issue about, those ages speaks about the sense of responsibility greater. May Allah grant us that. Grant us to come to the sense that the reason for birthdays must be able to realize, I go to another stage. 
But the birthdays, he said, birthdays which is highlighted by the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the life of a child. But so in the life of all of us, may Allah open the path and that we recognize what is the times and what is in it for us and how can we make meaning and value of those times for ourselves and for those people moving on further in our lives, in our lives and their lives, inshallah. That is brought us to the end of the process on to know who, on whom is the prayer obligatory. We then go to the times of the prayer. Now, in, when we speak about salah, what times is salah to be performed and how is it done? It is said that Jabir ibn Abdullah reported, he says that Jibreel والسلام, came to the Nabi وسلم, and said to him, the day after the Nabi وسلم, went unto the Mi'raj. The day after the Mi'raj, Jibreel came to the Nabi وسلم, and said to him, stand and pray with me. So Jibreel led the Nabi وسلم, in prayer. And he prayed, the Nabi وسلم, made the noon prayer when the sun has had passed the, its zenith, which means right in the middle of the sky, the sun has just moved away from there, then that is the time when Jibreel told the Nabi to, perform, to be able to perform the, 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 the Dur Salah. Then he came in the afternoon, Jibreel came to the Nabi وسلم, in the afternoon, meaning the afternoon Salah, and said, stand and pray. Meaning the Nabi وسلم, performed the Salah, then he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prayed the afternoon prayer when every object and its shadow had become the same length. Meaning whatever the length is of any object, the length of the, 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 the shadow that the sun gives a shadow to is that length that the, it's the same as the person and that is the time when, or the thing, that is the time when Jibreel informed the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam when to perform the Asr Salah. Then he came and at sunset and said, "Stand and pray." The sun has just set, and the Nabi sallallahu alaihi then prayed. The sun ha- when the sun had disappeared. Then he Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam, came in the night and said, "Stand and pray." And the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam prayed, the twilight. When the twilight had disappeared. Now, the, when the twilight was in the sky, it has disappeared. Then the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam then pray performed what we say the the the, the night salah or the isha salah. Then he Jibreel alayhi salatu wasallam came at dawn and said, "Stand and pray." And he sallallahu alaihi prayed the dawn, and the dawn had lit up. Which means the, 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 the lights just started to come alive of, of Fajr. And then, then this when the Nabi sallallahu alayhi performed the, the Fajr Salah. Then Jibreel came the next day for the noon prayer and said, stand and pray. And that was when he prayed the noon prayer, when the object and its shade were the same length. Then... He came, Jibril came to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi the afternoon, pray and said, stand and pray for the Asr Salah. And he Sallallahu prayed the Asr Salah when the shadow of an object was twice the length of the subject. Then he Sallallahu then he Jibril came to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi at sunset. And it was only that one time that he came the two occasions. Then Jibreel came for the night prayer, and it was when half of the night or one third of the night had passed, and he prayed the night prayer. Then he came in the dawn when it was very light and said, "Stand and pray," which means the sun has risen already, or the sun is the sunlight has come up. The sun has not uh, 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 come to its, uh, to, has not risen as yet, but the sunlight, it was very, very bright. Then the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam performed the Fajr Salah. He, Jibreel alayhi salatu wa sallam, then said, the time for the prayers are between the, these two. That is between the two sets of times in which 
he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prayed with him. In this hadith, Imam, Imam uh, Tirmidhi says that Imam Bukhari said the most authentic report concerning the times of prayer is the hadith of Jabir. Which means the hadith of Jabir is the best one to be able to tell us what times the, start, the prayer starts and what does it end. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We are in our second segment being I am a Muslim, what is expected of me? And here we are looking at the times of Salah as well as the Hadith of Jabir. Now I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue on that Hadith and explain to us more as to the Hadith. Sheikh Tafatul. Shukran Jazakakhir for that moment, Yasmina. As for the Hadith that we said about Jabir, that in he says what happened with Jibreel, the day after the Mi'raj of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, where the Salah has been given as a gift, and Jibreel came, came to the Nabi and explained to the Nabi or gave to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa two times. Uh, the scholar says to us, the noon prayer is from the, the sun passing the zenith until the shadow of the object is equal to the object's length. Which means the salah runs from, from just immediately after the sun goes out of the zenith, as of the middle of the summer, the moment that it just goes past that, then the waktub zuhr starts, and it carries on until when the length of any sub object becomes the size of the object itself. So that is then the end of the wakt of zuhr. But that also at the end of the wakt of zuhr, the afternoon salah is then the beginning of the wakt of asr, is from when the shadow is the object, is the length of the object itself. Or it's equal, the, the, the object and the, the shadow is exactly the same length, that is the waqt of Asr, and that carries on, that is the beginning of the waqt of Asr, which means the waqt of Dur ends at the waqt of Asr. And the waqt of Dur and the waqt of Asr walks into one another, right? So it, it, it ends with the waqt of dhur and then immediately uh, the moment it goes over to the length of one, that is also the waqt of asr, the beginning of the waqt of asr, right? And then the waqt of asr then goes over to the length of the sunset, uh, uh, when it's from, from equal, equal to until it becomes double the length, meaning it starts of when the length, the waqt of asr starts when the length of, an, of the shadow is the length of the object. And when it goes on until double the length of the object, it goes in, into the waqt of asr. Now that normally is that when it goes to double the length of the subject, is normally when it is the waqt of just before maghrib. Right? Um, that is what is meant by by the length there, and so we understand that the waqt of dhur runs right up until the beginning of the waqt of asr. The waqt of asr then starts at the with the length of when it is the length of one, running up to the length of two, or as we say, just before the waqt of maghrib. And the waqt of maghrib, the waqt of sunset is from the sunset until the twilight disappears. Now, the beginning of the waqt of, of, of uh, uh, Maghrib is when this, just immediately after the sun has set, um, and it runs until the twilight disappears. Now the twilight is that reddish effect that is in the sky that you see off when, when, when it becomes Maghrib. Now, if you look into the east and you see the, there's a reddish effect that comes out and underneath the reddish effect it becomes bluish or the blue becomes darker and you see that the reddish effect, that reddish effect takes right over to, goes over to, uh, over us until you see that reddish effect settles into the west on the western side, then it is what we call the end of Maghrib. So Maghrib is from the time the sun sets in the west 
and you see in the east the reddish effect in the sky that is the beginning of the waqt of maghrib and that reddish effect then moves on where you see until in the west you see that there's no more reddish effect on the sky on the horizon then the moment that reddish effect uh, comes to an end the last part of it is there that is the end of the waqt of maghrib and the moment it disappears there's no more reddish effect then that is the beginning of the waqt of aisha and Aisha's walk starts from that time until a third to the half of the night and it runs until the end and some scholars says it goes up to the walk of Fajr right that is the length of the walk of and uh, as, as we've seen Jab, um, Imam Bukhari says to us that the best understanding of the awqat the waqts for the salah is that which is given to us by Bukhari, by uh, 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 Jabir ibn Abdullah, the way he describes it as to what happened with the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam of understanding that salah and when the awqat in the different times for the salah may be for us, inshaAllah. That brings us to the process of that, where we now understand the different awqat that happens. Um, do we come to the question of there is this calling that Allah tells us Hafidhu az al-salawati was salati al-wusta See that you perform your salah God strictly the prayer, the salah, especially the middle prayer And, and stand before Allah Ta'ala with obedience is Allah Ta'ala That's Surah number 2 verses 238 Surah number 2, verse 238. Hafidhu Now, in, in, in this, in this uh, verse, the scholars ask the question precisely what has been referred to as the middle salah. Because what Allah says, Allah says, God strictly the prayer, especially the middle prayer. Now, what does is, what is really refer to the middle prayer? What do we understand? Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu he reported that the messenger of Allah says during the battle of Ahzab. The battle of Ahzab is a battle that took place in the fifth year of the Hijrah. It is a battle of what we say the 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 the, the, uh, um, the Ahzab or the bad battle of the trench. Um, the Ahzab processes is the people that came with the various groups uh, uh, and they came with their allies to be able to fight Islam, to destroy Islam, to remove it from the map. And the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam then said, "They have preoccupied us from the middle prayer, from the salah for asr. May Allah fill their homes and their graves with fire." Ya Rabb Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. This is the du'a of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam for the fact that the. The Ahzab has kept the Nabi sallallahu busy in having to fight the battle of Ahzab and they have affected the process of the Muslims to not perform the Asr Salah in time and the Nabi says, the Nabi made dua against them. Now there's another riwa, other riwayah that indicates also the, the, the Salah for Asr that the Nabi then sallallahu alayhi wasallam said in that battle about the Asr Salah perform your Asr Salah at meeting when you meet up with the, with the Jews with them and some of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum did the Asr Salah almost in the waqt of Maghrib and some of them did it before they left there and this is what happened with the fact that they uh, uh, performed the Asr Salah late and this is the reason for the Dua of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and when we say the Middle Salah as we said the question is what is meant by the Middle Salah what is the Middle Prayer it refers to most of the scholars says it refers to the Asr Salah reason being Allah says to us take heed of it because it is a time of the day when the people comes to the end of the day and uh, now suddenly they go out and finish with their businesses and with this and you just want to get this done and that, that, that done and before you actually see it is almost the waqt of maghrib and then that waqt is such an important waqt and Allah calls it the middle salah with the intention to allow our people to 
pray, pay more attention to the waqt of asr and to perform the asr salah in time so that Allah can give us khair and barakah in our lives and we benefit through those processes inshallah. Then the next point that we're dealing with, it is preferred to pray the noon prayer earliest in its proper time as long as it is not excessively hot. Meaning, the waqt for dhuhr. It's best to be able to start to pray it immediately at the beginning of the waqt of dhuhr if it is not especially very, very hot. Which means, if it's very, very hot, then there's the possibility that you could be able to delay it a little bit later. But while it is not hot as yet, it's preferred that we actually perform the dhuhr salah on time. If for that matter we find ourselves in a situation where it's extremely hot, preventing the process of the possibility of leaving the home because of the, the, uh, you can affect the person, then in that case, it is preferred to let it cool down before praying the noon prayer when it is excessively hot. Abu Huraira, now, in the, in, 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 uh, as to pray the Asr the Salah at the beginning, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, used to perform the noon prayer when the sun moved past the zenith. But Abu Huraira raised to us that it's narrated that the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, if it is very hot, perform the prayer after it has cooled off as the intensity of the heat is from the exhalation of the fire of Jahannam. Yeah. So, our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did not prefer us to do the Jama'ah Salah for the waqt of, of uh, Dhur when it's excessively hot that can actually affect people and that we actually delay the Salah and the reference to delay here yeah, with reference to the Jama'ah Salah to be delayed and to make the Adhan little bit later for the waqt so that the people can come to the masjid at the time when it is or not all that hot and when it's a bit cooler so that the people can perform their salah at that time. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. However, Sheikh, I'm going to be reading out the question, inshallah. It says, yes, salam, my hand is covered in bandage up until my elbow. Can I take abdas without washing the one hand? I can wash every other part. No water may touch the bandage. Please help, Kanala. Shukran Jazakallah for that question. Um, uh, I think we, we've dealt with that prior at the beginning of Madrasa on Air, the issue when we dealt with what we call the um, Tayammum. Now, what a person needs to do, the person needs to, for that hand, you need to be able to take the Tayammum first. The Tayammum must only rubbing your hand, putting your hands onto the, the dust, uh, uh, dusting it off, um, and 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 wash your and rub it over rub your faces Allah and then wash your rub your hands over it right meaning that which you had in your hand uh, use uh, rub it for your, for, your, for your face and your hand now if it means that your one hand has been covered completely meaning the hand itself besides the the, 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 the arm the hand and the arm is covered, so everything is covered, then you can only use the one hand that's open, use that one that's open with the intention for tayammum, but the tayammum as part of the wudu for the arm that is covered. right? And then you do the wudu for the rest of your body, and the wudu that you do for the rest of your body, you do what obviously now with one hand, and the other hand is can, cannot be because you can't use the water on that hand, then that constitutes your full wudu. You do a tayammum for the hand that is covered because you cannot use water. You then do, or any other portion of the body that's covered that you cannot use water for, you do a tayammum for that. And then you do a, the wudu, the rest, start from the beginning of the wudu until the end of what you need to do complete the wudu for that is the method that we are taught by our nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam when a portion of our body does not allow is not allowed to be touched by water or the whole body is not allowed to be touched by water Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. The other question that came through is, says, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. How do I get my kids age 20 and 25 to Salah? 
They only salah as they want. Alhamdulillah, we as parents do our salah and try our best to be examples. I talk non-stop and make dua that they do. May Allah accept all duas, inshallah. Okay, uh, when we speak about how do I get my children to perform salah, now it is something with that you and I should have started off at a very, very young age. Um, if, if what I do today is what I do today, but it is part of the teaching of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, see that you teach him the salah from the beginning, from the age of seven years old, right? And, and, and he gives, he gives you and me, and we call this professor, mom and dad, the responsibility that we do the teaching. He said to professor, mom and professor, dad, he said, you do the teaching. You take the responsibility. You teach them. You expose them. You don't do it only. Doing it only allows them to see what you do. But you need to be able to take the responsibility of teaching them, of giving the exposure to the understanding, and let them do it appropriately, let them realize it, need to develop and grow with it. And almost probably as part of this, the fact that you and I need to take our children by their hands and go and sit at the feet as scholars so that it can be taught. And we need to do the things ourselves. And when we say, yes, we do it, alhamdulillah, we can do it. But we also need to be able to make dua for them. We've said the words of Allah in the Holy Quran where Allah speaks to us and Allah says, وَأْمُرْ أَهْلَكَ بِالصَّلَةِ See that you teach your family the salah. وَاسْتَبِرْ عَلَيْهَا And persevere. Don't ever give up. You carry on and 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 never ever ever stops. But don't be too harsh. Just give that gentle reminder over and over and be positive with them and constantly make dua for them for only Allah can affect the hearts of the children. But remember, it started off from the fact that you and I should have started, should have taken the responsibility when the child was a young child. Now, it's not something that's just going to happen after a period. It will happen as we take our responsibility in accordance with the advice of Allah and His Rasul. May Allah grant us to be of those who are ready to take to that advice of our Nabi and live that in the ability to the, to the best of our abilities. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Added to that is to also, and we've shared this prior, that it's strongly recommended in the advice of Allah as the words of Nabi Ibrahim when he says Rabbi ja'anni muqima salati wa min durriyati Oh Allah I beg thee grant me to be a person who perfects my salah who does my best to perform my salah appropriately who be, be constant at my salah who do it do my best who do it with the most of khushu grant me that and wa min durriyati and grant that to happen to my family now if we are cognizant and constant at these to us constantly, then Allah will grant things to change and become meaningful if we put the place, the things in place, inshallah. Shukran so much for answering those questions. For those of you who sent through your questions to our SMS as well as our WhatsApp, we will be looking at that tomorrow, inshallah, first thing. But for now, I'm going to be handing back over to Sheikh to do the closing dua for the Madrasani program, inshallah, Sheikh Tafatul. Shukran jazakallah khair for this one, um, we've come to the end of this program unfortunately things happen like that whenever we start it's a beginning and there is an end so bismillahir rahmanir rahim alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin bismillahir rahmanir rahim wal asr innal insana lafi husr illa alladhina amanu wa amilu salihat wa tawasaw bil haqqi wa tawasaw bil sabr wa sallallahu ala sayyidina wa mawlana muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa salim subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin that then they concludes our program for madrasan a from myself yasmina peterson along with everyone on board we bid you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and have a great day further